From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson. This is your news for Thursday, October 5th. A solar eclipse is passing through southeastern Utah in a couple weeks, and many of the towns and parks along the path of the eclipse are expecting a huge influx of tourists. Monument Valley Navajo Tribal Park falls directly on the path of the eclipse, but the park will be closed from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Saturday, October 14th, during the astronomical event. This is Elvina Sajani, an administrative assistant at Monument Valley. It's a sacred time for us. Most of our staff do observe that because of our culture. So we do have staff that are traditionalists. Some are, you know, converted to Christianity. So we'll have some of the staff on duty, but we do not have enough staff to have it completely open. The sun not shining on you during that time, you know, you're respecting the whole change of the moon and the sun. You don't look at it, you don't observe it, you know, that's a sacred time. Also, we do have residents that stay within the park, and they're traditional too, so they don't want a lot of people during that sacred time to be wandering around their area. Sajani says the park is making an exception for tour companies that already have reservations. Those tours will be allowed into the park during the eclipse. Bryce Canyon National Park will be open and is preparing for a huge crowd. This is the second time the park has been on the path of a solar eclipse in recent history. In 2012, 15,000 people visited the park for a solar eclipse. Usually the park only sees about 5,000 people per day. This is Kevin Poe, an astronomer and park ranger at Bryce Canyon. It's hard to describe because there's just nothing quite like it. Like Bryce Amphitheater, you know, erupted with cheers. You know, just this thunderous roar of humanity noise that's you know, joyous and yet awe at the same time. The upcoming solar eclipse is not a total eclipse, which is when the moon totally blocks the sun. This will be an annular eclipse, and people will still see a little sliver of the sun around the edges of the moon as it passes over. You know, they call it the ring of fire in general because it looks like there's a flaming ring of fire in the sky. The eclipse will only last about four minutes, but he says a lot happens in that time. The temperature will drop 10 or 15 degrees, and so that causes all kinds of interesting you know, response. So you'll notice birds in particular starting to freak out a little bit. They're like, wait, is it bedtime? You know, it seems like this has been sort of a short day. And, you know, even dogs, people's oblivious Fido and Fluffy will even notice the eclipse. You can expect them to be barking or howling or, you know, nervous behavior. One of the biggest things he wanted to stress was that you must wear eclipse glasses to watch the eclipse. And if you're using a telescope, camera, or binoculars, you must have a solar filter on the end of the lens. Your eclipse glasses aren't enough to protect your eyes if you're using some kind of lens. But even a pair of binoculars will burn out your retina in a couple of seconds. One of the things that we did at Bryce Canyon is we did these little demonstrations where we would put the binoculars to the sun, you know, before the eclipse, and then hold up uh, eclipse glasses. And the light just threw them. You know, a $100 pair of binoculars will burn a hole in the eclipse glasses in about five seconds. Imagine (laughs) what it would be like if you did things in the wrong order. You had eclipse glasses on your face and then brought your nifty binoculars. Yeah, you definitely want your protective uh, filter in front of any observing instrument you add. That said, looking at the eclipse through your phone camera is okay. On a cell phone camera, you're not looking through your lenses anymore. You're not Mm -hmm. seeing the original photons. You're seeing fake photons. So holding a cell phone up to this eclipse is perfectly safe. He'll be working in the park during the eclipse. 
and says he expects to have at least one conversation with someone who believes the Earth is flat. It's just one of those things that comes up. The eclipse is a good time to try to dispel this myth. We're on a flat Earth. How come the path of eclipses are curves? Now that we have your attention, <laughs> I guess is what astronomers would say, can we revisit this whole flat Earth thing? Because what you're seeing would never work on a flat Earth. Don't let anybody tell you different. He also says people should expect a lot of traffic if they're leaving the area that afternoon. I must have drove underneath uh, 30 information signs on uh, I-15 and 215 and N 70, I guess, all saying well in advance, expect travel delays and limited services during solar eclipse on October 14th. You can find more information about where to see the eclipse in Utah in today's show notes. Last year, Mesa Verde National Park established an indigenous ranger internship. The program hires young Native Americans to work as park rangers and tour guides. It's part of an effort by the National Park Service to be more inclusive of indigenous perspectives at Mesa Verde and parks across the United States. Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD has more. On a sunny Wednesday morning, 40 tourists set out on a tour of Balcony House, one of Mesa Verde's ancient Puebloan cliff dwellings. Awesome, cool. My name is Jordan. I'll be your ranger leading you down below to Balcony House. The tour guide is Jordan Frawa, a 21-year-old Pueblo of Picaris and Okeowinge man. Frawa is one of Mesa Verde's new indigenous interns. The job allows him to bring together park interpretation and his cultural upbringing. It's very, really rewarding, I think. Like different rangers will say, this is a sacred spot. And they mean it out of good faith and all that. But for me, it is an actual sacred site. Visitors shimmy through small openings in sandstone architecture and climb up a 40-foot ladder. Nearly all of the members of the tour are white. Frawa tells us Pueblo people like himself also visit the park every day to connect with their ancestors. Every single day this summer, there's been at least one Pueblo come back here to leave some sort of offering behind mm. for the people that lived here. Mm. We come back all the time to remember where we come from. Yes. For decades, Native Americans have criticized the National Park Service for excluding indigenous perspectives. According to the National Parks Conservation Association, only 2.5% of Park Service employees identify as Native American or Alaska Native. And every park has its own challenges. In the early years at Mesa Verde, the agency presented offensive narratives and struggled to preserve cultural sites. More recently, the park addressed other issues. We had to have the hard conversation at the park about certain displays that were considered offensive or unwelcoming to the tribal communities. Christy Shawley is the Chief of Interpretation and Visitor Services at Mesa Verde. Two years ago, she says the park reviewed exhibits in its main museum. A lot of those exhibits have been on display for almost 100 years. Most controversial was a diorama depicting native people. The small figures had the physical features of prehistoric ancestors, not modern humans. Rather than displaying them just as tribal community members, they were displayed as Neanderthal age people, which goes back many, many millions of years the tribal community members told us that there would be no context in which displaying these exhibits would be appropriate. I asked Christy Shawley whether, intentionally or not, the dominance of white employees has led to the exclusion of indigenous perspectives at the park. 
I'm not in a place to judge history. And I think that it's a bit of a leading question. I think that all of us are doing our best and we're, we're trying to make progress, but again, we're learning along the way. I feel better today that our tribal community members have a lot of voice in the interpretation of this place. If a hundred years out, people are looking back, um, I don't know about what they would say about what we're doing today. This summer, there were five indigenous park rangers giving tours at Mesa Verde, four of them interns. The one permanent employee is Cecilia Shields, a Pueblo of Picarese woman who was also Jordan Frawa's mother. We should definitely always have indigenous peoples here to lead tours and to be part of the process. In her work as a ranger, she's had to reckon with the realities of historic preservation here at Mesa Verde. There are some things that were hard to understand when it comes to things like artifacts. For us, those things should all be returned and allowed to have their cycle and be returned to Earth. But just knowing how many artifacts are in collections, in dark rooms, and in boxes that never get to see light. I mean, at what point do you have enough pot shards? Cecilia Shields says she's comfortable being both a Park Service employee and a Native American woman with ancestral connections to this place. A long time ago, I, I found my peace with it because the mission of the National Park Service is to preserve and protect these, these special places for future generations. I wish there were more of us. Sometimes the only way they'll listen is if I'm wearing the flat hat and the green and gray uniform. It's a big responsibility that will soon rest on one woman's shoulders. This November, when the last intern leaves Mesa Verde, Cecilia Shields will be the only Native American person giving tours. I'm Clark Adamitis. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, October 5th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.